Well, hey, friends, it has been a while since I've released an episode of Our Biblical Hope, and that's mostly because of this renovation that we're in the middle of on our investment property, and I'm loving every minute in that house as I'm working and the projects that we're completing in it. But I want you to know that I love this podcast as well, and I'm committed to it. I love walking through First Peter uh, with any of you that are sticking around uh, to join in this journey, and so I'm thankful for you, and I want to keep trucking through this book. And so I need to start carving out more time for this podcast. That's my goal. And so let's start today as we get close to wrapping up chapter one, and let's set it up like this. Imagine you were to send me a text to see if I wanted to get together and hang out, and I replied back, sure, I'm just finishing up this workout video, so come on over. And so you show up at my house, you knock on the door, you hear me yell from the other room, come on in. So you walk into my house and you enter the family room where you see that I have the workout video still going, and I'm sitting on the couch with a big bowl of popcorn and a giant Dr. Pepper. And you might say, why are you just sitting there watching the exercise video? I think you don't understand how this works. Well, I've heard good things about this video. I mean, everyone says it, how it's been impacting their lives. Yeah, but you actually have to do what you see and not just watch it. You see, I could know everything there is to know about good exercise and ways to work out and healthy eating habits, but unless I put that knowledge to action nothing changes. And in the same way, when it comes to our walk with Christ, information does not equal transformation. In other words, you can go to church all the time. You can be in your Bible. You have, you could have all the correct theological knowledge that is available in all the books in the world. But unless that information results in transformation, our lives are of no use to God in his kingdom and for his mission. This is the transition that Peter's making here towards the end of the first chapter. He spent the majority of the first 21 verses laying out an amazing theology of Christ and the living hope that we have in him. And specifically, over the last three verses, we saw how we are ransomed by the blood of Christ, this Christ who was foreknown before the foundation of the world to be our Savior. He was made manifest for our sake here on earth to accomplish his mission, not only died, but was raised from the grave and was given the glory of God. And it's almost like Peter then pauses, takes a deep breath after verse 21 and says, Therefore, have you ever had a moment in your life that changes everything? Like one of those moments that became a turning point where you can look back and your life could be marked by before and after that moment. A proposal, a health diagnosis, a life-changing piece of advice or decision you made or something that happened to you, a tragedy, and then everything was different afterwards. This is, or, or should be, the story of the gospel in our lives. And so here's what Peter says in 1 Peter 1, verses 22 and 23. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. 
And so Peter says, after all this theological knowledge and understanding who Jesus is, this is the difference it should make. A pure soul leading to obedience, sincerely loving one another. Why? Because you have been born again. A sincere and brotherly love. This is the outcome of our biblical hope. The King James says, have an unfeigned love. It has this idea of affection without hypocrisy, without being watered down. It is love for others that is undisguised, unselfish, unashamed. This is what Jesus ushered in for us through the new covenant. In John 13, 34, he says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. Love is the foundation of the greatest two commandments, according to Jesus in Matthew. Love God and love others as yourself. And Paul holds up the value of love in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, where he says, Now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. Even greater than unbreakable hope in God's plan and promise for you. Even greater than a rock-solid faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ and our salvation through him is a life defined by love for others. Because God isn't out for our information. He wants our transformation. And as if we needed more motivation than that, notice that Paul gives us a reason to love in front of the command to love, and then there's another reason behind the command to love. So reason number one, since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere and brotherly love, there's reason number one, you've purified your souls by obeying the truth. Therefore, fervently love one another from your heart. And then comes the second reason to love right after love one another from a pure heart for you have been born again not of seed which is perishable but imperishable see love one another because you've been born again by the word of God so our sincere love for others is sandwiched between it's supported by the purity of our souls and our new birth through the word of God and this is a glorious and revealing picture. Picture it like this. Imagine a lamp in a high window of a church and supporting this lamp are two large pillars so that it doesn't fall and break so that it remains held high enough for the world to see it. And this lamp represents the love that Christians have for each other. Let your light so shine before men that they would see your good deeds. And there are two pillars holding up this lamp. One pillar is obedience to truth, which purifies our soul. And the other one is new birth by the word of God. And so if there is going to be love among us as Christians, these two things have to be our experience. We have to be born again by the word of God and our hearts have to be purified by obedience to that truth. And so if we notice that our love for others begins to wane, or there are cracks that begin to form in our relationships or our care for others, then we need to go examine the
the pillars. And I can promise you, if you're truly born again through God's word, then that pillar is just fine. Your salvation is not a pillar that rots or decays or grows weaker over time. It is a cross-fortified beam that grows harder and stronger and truer throughout eternity. And so if your love for others is teetering or could use some work, that only leaves one option. The other pillar, your own personal purity and obedience to the Lord. And so let me ask you, how's that going? Your love for others will grow or shrink in direct proportion to your purity and obedience, meaning the strength of your relationship with Christ and your ability to walk close by him and overcome temptation each hour and minute of the day. So believers, let's love others well. Let's show others that we are disciples of Christ by the depth of our love for them. And maybe, where does that start right now for you? Maybe by finding a quiet place and opening up God's word and falling back in love with God who loved you so much that he sent Jesus to die in your place on the cross. After all, we love because he first loved us. So next time, we will wrap up chapter 1 in 1 Peter with thinking about the greatness of God's word. And until then, let's pray. God, we are amazed and thankful for the lavish love that you shower upon us every day in your grace. May we fall more in love with you moment by moment, and in so doing, show your love to others better and better in ways that show glimpses of you throughout our life. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.